Glad you're here this morning. For those who have been here all weekend, thank you. Uh, for those who have not been here, um, the last time I was here, I did not have a patch over my left eye. Okay, so uh, I have, uh, I had, we had, I had an accident exercising in uh, July of last year. They took out the left eye, and believe it or not, when they took it out, all my problems went away. So to that, I'm very thankful because I'd forgotten how bad it was damaged and. And really, it was so God God knew what he was doing. And so I, I trust that whatever trial you're going through, that you'll embrace that trial with the joy of the Lord and just always learn what God has for you from it. So we've been talking all weekend about the, a house full of different things. And so tonight, or this morning, talking about a house full of love. And what I mean by that is really a love that's pleasing to the Lord. Okay, so what is a love that pleases God? Colossians 1 really deals with that. And as we talk about that, uh, the, the way this passage is laid out, we're going to get really to four indicators. Now, our life's full of indicators. I mean, I, I'm just thinking this morning, I have my phone. It's got a battery indicator, right? I had my iPad during Sunday school. It's got a battery indicator. I carry a battery like a bank when I travel to charge my phone. It's got an indicator. You know, you get in your car, and the first car I had was a 1958 Volkswagen convertible. All right, it did not have a gas gauge. All right, so the indicator for gas was you had to get a dipstick and stick it in the tank to find how much gas you had. All right, so you know, but where you walk, you pull, you you crank up your car today, and what happens? It's got a gas indicator, how uh, heat for the engine. It's got how fast you're going, right? What else has it got? It got tires. If your tires a little bit low, that gauge, that indicator is coming on. I mean, it's got a seatbelt indicator. You just think about all the indicators just when you get in the car, and it tells you, all right, is this safe to operate? Well, this morning, I'm going to look at, really, we're going to four indicators. So when I was going through my, my eye injury, uh, when the first thing they checked, when I had the eye, and if you've had been to the eye doctor a lot, they checked the pressure in your eye. Because too low, you got a problem. Too high, you got a problem. So one of the key indicators during that 14-month trial was every time I would go in, it needed to be between 10 and 20. And so too low, we got a problem. Gets above 20, we got a problem. So simply that indicator was, a, was, was telling the doctor how healthy my eye was. Okay, Colossians 1 is going to give us four indicators. How healthy is your spiritual life? So really, as we go through this, that's where we're tracking to. So as we look at these, these are objective indicators. So I'm, all I'm going to ask you as we go through this, and, and the theme is, you know, a house full of love, uh, a love that is pleasing to Christ, or living a life that is pleasing to Christ. As we track through this passage, I want you to look at these indicators to where you can examine yourself, just like the doctor examines us. Or you get in your car and you say, well, we got a problem with the tire or whatever. Okay, so maybe this morning you say, well, I've got a problem in that particular area. So here's what I love about the Word of God. It not only tells us what we should be doing, but God also tells us how we're to do it. The Word of God is alive and powerful. And if God wants us to live a life pleasing to Him, He tells us how we're to do it. See, we're never left without God telling us how we're to please Him. So this morning, if you go ahead and turn to Colossians chapter 1, I just want to read verse 9, and then we'll go to the Lord in prayer. But Colossians 1, 
verse 9 says this, And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And then where we're going with this, starting in verse 10, the little word so, or it says, or so that. All right, so why do we do all this praying? So that you may live a life pleasing to Christ, and then it's going to give us four indicators. So this morning, I just want you to know ahead of time, that's where we're going. And, and so you got an outline. I, I trust you'll be able to follow with me as we go. Because at the end of all this, I believe as God's word is preached, and it is alive and powerful, and as a believer, we have the Spirit of God living in us. So what is going to be that next step of faith you need to take in order to please Christ? So what is going to be when we draw this together? Scriptures were settled a long time ago, but folks, they're alive today. In our hearts, through the Spirit of God and the Word of God. So you want to say, okay, so as we wrap up this weekend, so what's going to be that single next step of faith as we interact with this passage this morning that we need to take? So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll look at Colossians 1. Father, you're so good to us. We thank you for giving us this day that you have set apart to celebrate the resurrection, the living Son of God. We thank you that he, line, you'll see this. First, I want you to understand your privilege of praying for others. So as we live a life pleasing to Christ, we have the privilege of praying for others. And how do we pray? Well, verse 9 tells us we're to pray continually. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. So the day we heard what? Well, let's back up to verse 1. What, has, what is heard here is Paul is writing to, the, to the, the church in Colossae. He says in verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Grace be grace to you and peace from our Father. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ as we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all the saints. The love, again, you have for all the saints because of the hope that is laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard in the word of the truth, the gospel. Notice what it says in verse 6, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world is bearing fruit and increasing. So saying as the gospel is coming, the word of God is it's bearing fruit and, and the gospel is increasing as it does among you. So Paul is hearing the effect of the gospel here upon this church. And since the day you heard and understand the grace and truth, notice what it says in verse seven, just as you learned it from Epaphus, our dear beloved servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to, to us your love in the Spirit. So since the day they heard it, what did he hear? The gospel is going out. The gospel was increasing more and more. And is doing so, look at verse 7, who was he using to do this? Epaphras. So what do we know about him? What we know about him is he probably came to Christ when he was at Ephesus at that church and it's somewhere along the way when he came to Christ somebody had to disciple him because right now he is ministering the word at the church in Colossae so Epaphras comes to Christ he was discipled now he's been sent out to lead this church and they heard the gospel the gospel is going forth it is increasing more and more and this morning we're talking about a church that Epaphras helped start so, folks, this is lasting fruit 
of the word of God taking and saving a man and now going and ministering at this church. So let's understand something. We need to be discipled and we need to be disciples. Epaphras came to Christ. And as he came to Christ, somebody took him, mentored him. And right now, where do we see him? We see him ministering to others. So Epaphras now is taking everything he's learned and pouring it into the life of others. So right now, are you a disciple or a disciple? Or maybe both. So who is discipling you? Who is helping you in the word? And then again, who will you turn around and help you? Because this is the way, learning from others, teaching others, this is the way the gospel is growing, continuing to grow, growing on and on, as Epaphras was teaching here in the church at Colossae. Spiritual investment in the life of someone. Are you willing to take the time to do that? And are you praying continually to this effect? And to pay a part of this, you to pray for them and pray and keep praying. So as you look at this, praying is a part of your ongoing ministry. And also look what it says, how they pray specifically at the end of verse 9. So what did they pray? Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So this was Paul's specific request for this church that you may be what? Specifically says that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. You know, so often you hear the will of God. We make it kind of a mysterious thing. But it really doesn't have to be. Most have divided the will of God and, and really into two areas. One of them is called, you know, as we look through this, as you look at the will of God, you know, the first is the directive will of God. What does that look like? Here's what it looks like. John 14, 15. If you love me, what? Keep my commandments. So the directive will of God, God's already told us, you need to do this, Right? And so then you have the directive will of God. You have it already revealed to you. You're to keep it. And then you have the directive will. And then you also have something called what we call the decreed will of God. So what is the decreed will of God? Most people will go to this passage, Romans 12, 1 and 2. This is the sovereignty of God that allows certain things to come to pass in your life. Okay? And it's our job as we discern the will of God that then we live out what God is is teaching us through this. So Romans 12, 1 and 2, mainly 12, 2, says this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Why? How? By the renewal of your mind. How do we renew our mind? We fill our mind with our hearts, with the word of God. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So what does that mean? to discern, to test. See, as we are loving God and we're in his word and we're living for him, I'm convinced as we live for him, study his word, we're carrying out what he's already directed us to do. And then as we're discerning the next thing we are to do, that is the decreed will of God, we are empowered to discern and to understand what is the thing we're to do. Now, are there certain life-changing moments we all go through? Yes. But in my life, I have found that the next step in life is usually the decreed will of God. This is what I mean. I came to Christ as a freshman at Clemson University. Okay. I came. Somebody knocked on my door and asked me a question. Hey, we'd like to invite you to a Bible study. Okay. So what I'm saying is I didn't have some mysterious feeling I needed to be in my room at 10 o'clock that morning when this guy knocked on my door. 
I was just caring about my normal business and God brought a messenger with the right message into my life that made me start thinking about my eternal state. Now, it took several months for me to really understand that message and then trust Christ to save me. But I was just sitting in my dorm room. I did not go out looking in the sky. God, write a message in the sky for me. That didn't happen. The normal thing of doing, then God brought the right messenger with the right message. I'm thinking about our marriage. You know, I mean, Scripture tells us, you know, he who finds a wife, so... I was pursuing, I was looking, but it wasn't like, you know, there was something miraculous that, I guess every marriage is so much miraculous because, okay, but what I'm saying is it was just me pursuing and then God brought my wife's path across my path as just going about life. I think about my call to preach, which really changed a lot, but it came from a passage that I was just reading through my normal study of Scripture. So, so often we make the decreed will of God something so mysterious we can't understand. It doesn't have to be that way. And notice what Paul is saying here. He's saying, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. And notice what he says. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So this was Paul's specific prayer as they sought to please Christ. We say, hey, that you will understand the wisdom of God. And so where that leads us, on your outline, you'll see it this way. So it leads us to your priority of pleasing Christ or why you pray for others or what that really looks like. So as we move to that, where the, most of the message is going to be, again, verse 10, as I said earlier, starts out with this word. So, or the reason we do this is so that. So that we pray for others so that the purpose that they may live a life, notice what it says, so that to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. So we're going to pray for them in this way so that their life will reflect the glory of Christ or so that they will walk worthy, their lives will be walking worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. Now, Throughout the weekend, we have covered this idea of pleasing Christ, what it looks like. So, again, one of the key passages, and you know what, I'm going to stack with my one eye. There is no way I can read that passage from back there. All right, so here we go. This is, comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Okay, it says this in verse 6. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, yet we are away from the Lord. So we walk how? What does it say? By faith. So this walk of pleasing Christ is a walk of faith. Okay, so understanding God's will and all, what does it say here? In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So this is a walk of faith. Yes, we are of good courage that we'd rather be away from the body and home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away or wherever we are, whatever we're doing on Sunday, Monday through Saturday, what are we to do? We make it our aim to please Him. I make it my passion, my goal. And this is what, so this is a parallel passage to what Paul is telling the church that through the teachings of Ephesus, our prayer is that you'll live a life pleasing to him. And then it goes on to say this, be why, for we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that, so that each one may receive what is due for him, what he has done in his body, whether good or evil. 
So we understand this is a parallel passage. Now, but still, when you think of a life pleasing to Christ, I'm still a little bit unclear what that looks like. Okay, we know it means, okay, spiritual understanding, wisdom, right, discerning the will of God. Okay, but now here's the beauty of this passage. It's now going to give us four indicators of what a life pleasing to Christ looks like. Yeah, I, I just love this passage because it lays out, okay, this is what you're to be doing. And by the way, believer, this is how you do it. And here's some check marks or indicators if you're living a life pleasing to Christ. So what is that? Pick it up with me, if you would, so that in the middle of verse 10, the ESV, uh, you, we're going to notice four participles. Okay, so let's go back to basic English. What is a participle? It's a word ending in what? Somebody tell me. I-N-G. Okay, so there are four participles laid out. One's translated a little bit different, but in the Greek, there are four participles laid out. So what's our first one? So what is the first indicator? It says here in the middle of verse 9. Excuse me, middle of verse 10. Bearing fruit in every good work. Okay, so I put that indicator. This is the first gauge that should come on is bearing fruit. How? Bearing fruit in what? Every good work. All right, so what this tells us is we're bearing fruit. All right, so we know this from Galatians 5, right? The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, and all of that, right? So we know that if I'm walking in the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit will be coming for Galatians 5, 16. You can go back and look it up later. But love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So we produce spiritual fruit as we are empowered by the Spirit and instructed by the Word. So again, what is our first indicator? Middle of verse 10, go back, bearing fruit in every good work. So the question we've got to ask ourselves, where does this fruit start? Flows out of our heart. So this fruit flows out of our heart. We know this, Luke chapter 6. For no good tree bears bad fruit. Nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is known by what? Its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor grapes picked from a, bram a bramble bush. The good person out of the treasure of his heart produces good fruit. And the evil person out of the evil of his treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So how do you know where your treasure is? All right, if we are here supposed to be bearing fruit in every good work, how do I know where my treasure is? It's where I'm spending my time. It's where I am investing my time. Because obviously from the context of this whole thing, we know not all work is good work. In all, not all fruit is good fruit. Therefore, we need to be careful where we invest our time. We need to carefully consider what or who to invest our time in. So we're to bring forth fruit in every good work. That is a mark, the first indicator of a Christian that is living a life pleasing to God. So what's our second? Look at gauge number two, starting in verse 10. Oh, excuse me, end of verse 10. 
All right? Increasing in the knowledge of God. So what is that? I just put it this way. It's growing. All right? So first you got bearing fruit, and then you got increasing in the knowledge of God, and that is simply your spiritual growth. And you got to understand this knowledge of God is just not a general knowledge. It's a precise and correct knowledge of God. It's not some idea of some God you may have dreamed up on your own. But it is a precise understanding of the God of Scripture, the how he has revealed himself to us. So when it says increasing in the knowledge of God, this is your spiritual life as your spiritual journey as you continue to grow in the correct understanding of God. Now, I look around the auditorium. Now, the, how was that grade two and under? Okay, so they were dismissed. Now, the young people, I mean, the infants never came in here, right? So you got one group of people. What I'm trying to say, in our physical life, there are clear indicators. You got infants, then you got the crawlers, then you got those just a second grade and under, then you got the rest of elementary school, then you got the middle school, right? That's kind of the way we divide it in our society. Then you got the high school. Then really you go into young adults. And then we go into middle-aged adults. And then some of us have entered that other stage, that older stage of life. It's clearly seen, okay? Again, you go for any physical checkup. They're going to mark you by certain age indicators of what you should be doing. So at each stage, it's fairly obvious. Now, what about in your spiritual life? Because notice what it's saying here. You're to be increasing in the knowledge of God. So what indicators? What do you have in your life that shows you know the Lord better today than you did this time in 2021, or this time in 2019, or this time you keep going backwards. So are you increasing in the correct knowledge of God and growing as a Christian? You're my life. Your life should look different than it did five years ago. We should be more like Christ today. I should be a better husband today than we were married 40 years ago. So my life should look different. And I tell you, now go back to verse 7. You have the example right here in Scripture. Epaphras was saved in the church at Ephesus. His life now looks totally different as he's now the minister of the gospel here in, in, in Colossae. I mean, it has to be. So my question is, how are you looking different? Or different? We'll put it another way, very practical. Are you a burden to others? Or a blessing. When you come up to somebody in church. Now, the beauty of what I've found this weekend is before, uh, there's a noise of fellowship, which is a good noise. Okay, It's the joy of speaking to each other. It's the joy that kitchen was so crowded you couldn't get in there this morning. right? So all that, those are good indicators, right? Of a healthy church, of a fellowship. But because it shows you're really talking to each other. But when you talk to somebody... Are you really a blessing or are you putting more of a burden on them? Because if you're increasing in the right knowledge of God, you're going to be increasing and learn to serve others as Christ served, served. He came to serve and not be served. So are you a blessing or burden to others? I have to ask that. So which one are you? You know, the first indicator, you know, uh, is bearing fruit. And so I really think bearing fruit and the correct knowledge of God, increasing that, they really go hand in hand. And, you know, so I've got to ask you a question. This quote is not original with me, 
but how are you exercising the correct knowledge of God? Okay, so the quote I was going to give you is, most believers are about 200 verses overweight. You follow me? I know you get white doctrine in this church. Even before the preaching came, through the singing of doctrinally correct hymns, through the catechism and instruction, a biblical understanding of the church. So I'm not concerned about the doctrine you're giving, being given. I'm concerned of how you're living that out. So are you a consumer? You're just sitting back week after week, week after week, taking verses in, because if so, and you're not exercising those things, then you are not increasing in the correct knowledge of God. Because if you're increasing, you've got to serve it back out. You've got to exercise what's been given to you. Am I making sense here? All right, so let's think about this. Are you growing? Again, another passage to look at. Ephesians 4, we looked at a little bit this weekend. But here's the key to Ephesians 4. It tells us one of the key words, two words, are gifts and given. So it talks about here in Ephesians 4, that he, Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherds and teachers to do what in verse 12? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So the preaching of God's word by your pastor should be equipping you to do the work of the ministry. Verse 13 says, until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, the next phrase, if you can read it, to what? Mature manhood. Okay, this is growing. This is spiritually growing with the understanding and the increasing of the correct knowledge of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So your growth should be looking like what Christ's life looked like. So that may no longer be what? Why do we need to mature to uh, mature manhood, womanhood? Why? What does the verse say? No more be what? Children. So you're not dismissed at the preaching time. Okay, you know, why? What do children look like? They're tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and craftiness and deceitful schemes. He goes on to say this, rather, instead of being children, okay, we're, we're doing these two things, we're growing, okay? But rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow to, or excuse me, we are to grow up. All right, this word grow up is the same word used for increasing here in our Colossians 1.10 passage. Same word. Okay, that we're to grow up in every way unto him who is ahead unto Christ. Okay, and the next verse tells us when that happens, the whole body of the church is fitly joined together in doing what it ought to be doing. So I've got to ask you, are you spiritually growing? Are you increasing in the correct knowledge of God spiritually to where you were against last year? 10 years ago, 5 years ago. And another way to figure this out is, again, as we talked about, you need to be approachable. Sit down with somebody that knows you and say, hey, what areas do I need to change in order to be increasing the correct knowledge of God? Ask somebody. Hold yourself accountable to be increasing in this area. You know, growing up in my house, we, we, I had an older sister, younger sister. And we had this closet door. And many of your houses probably had that. 
okay, and they, I would stand against the closet door, right, and they would, against the, the door frame, and they'd put something against my head, and what would they do? Draw a mark, and what? Put a date. And you could go, and, and I mean, from a boy upwards, there was that chart. Spiritually, how do we do that? How do we see how we're growing? And what are those marks? So this is what we must be doing. We must be doing this. We must understand this whole thing. A couple more verses on this. 1 Corinthians 3. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, as people of the flesh, but what? As infants in Christ. He goes on to say this. I fed you with milk, not solid food, because you were not ready for it. There's a spiritual diet, but you must be ready to take it, for you are still of the flesh. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father, Ephesians 3 puts it, every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to riches of may grant you to be strengthened with the power of the Spirit through the inner being. So it's so important as we go and look at this, as we think through this whole passage. Go back one for that. So bearing fruit, growing, what's our third one? Look at verse 11. You with me so far? You following the participles, right? Well, that participle changes in verse 11. Now, again, what it's saying is being strengthened. Now, the way ESV translates, which is fine, it says it this way. That you may be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience. Now, say this last two words with me in verse 11. What does it say? With what? Joy. Okay, it's key to hold this because this is your attitude as you're doing it. And it says this, that you may be strengthened with all power. So this is the spiritual strength that you need to live out God's will. And we talked about the directive and the decreed will of God. And he says, okay, being strengthened. So as you are growing and you're increasing knowledge of God, you do this. The strength to do this, God gives you that strength. So this is you being strengthened. And the purpose for God is supplying the strength that you may endure and you may grow with joy. Okay? You follow me? Trials make you stronger. Okay? All of you have been to the point you're trying to increase your endurance either in walking or running or, or something. And you get stretched. But think of your spiritual growth. There's a spiritual growth that God puts us through that does test us. But we must do this with joy. And I, I, I'm not saying, I don't want to say this in the wrong way, but the best thing that happened in my life spiritually is when, my, when I lost my eye. Because the minute the accident happened on May 14th of 2020, and I'm sitting there and I knew, I knew it was bad. Okay, and again, in what I do, really we do family conference, that kind of stuff, but what I normally do, we go into church to help solve conflict or do transition. Okay, and, and that's a world where you're dealing with the weaker brother or the stronger brother. It's called the church conflict and the pastor's gone. So you go in. So you sit there and you're studying over and over. Weaker brother. You know, you're getting into all this, you know, I hate to say minutiae, but you're doing your best. And, and you know, and sometimes I get spiritually lost in the weeds. So when this happened, I knew one thing. I need to fall in love with Jesus all over again. I, I need to set aside all this minute points of, of scripture of, on ecclesiology, as you heard about the church, I needed one thing. I needed to fall in love with Jesus because I needed the joy. I had to go through this trial with what? With joy. 
I need to be strengthened. And notice what the pastor said. You may be strengthened with all power according to what? His glorious might for all endurance and patience. Folks, this is where this is where the rubber hits the road spiritually. As you're living a life pleasing to God, you must be strengthened in order to do it. You got to do it with patience and you got to do it with joy. You've got to embrace the trial God puts before you. If we're going to be doing this, as the Word of God says, as you're being strengthened by the power of God with patience, you embrace the trial and you've got to do it with joy. The purpose of God supplying the strength is for you to endure this particular whatever you're going through. He gives you the strength to do it so you may be able to do it with joy. Now, folks, unbelievers face trials every day. But they're not strengthened with the power of God to do it. We, as a child of God, gives us that strength, that grace. So what is grace? The practical definition is that spiritual fuel God gives you to be strengthened so you can go through whatever he's doing with, with you, whatever trial, you may be able to do it with joy. I showed you this verse a minute ago. Well, I thought, I here we go. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you what? To be strengthened with power through what? His spirit where? The outer man is perishing. I can tell you, you're going to lose an eye, you're going to lose whatever. But the inner man is being strengthened day by day. And this is a strength God gives you in order to please him, in order to have a life. It says here, what does it say? With all endurance and patience with joy. Because when does that trial over? I don't know. When is your trial going to be over? I just don't know. But I do know this, that in you're the middle of it, if you're living a life pleasing to Christ, an indicator is going to be that you're being strengthened with God's power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience, and you can endure and go through this with joy. That is God strengthening you. And all of us face trials. And we're supposed to count them all what? Joy, according to the book of James. So let me ask you this. On this indicator, are you being strengthened by God? Or are you just so frustrated? You just, your, your bitterness is set in, whatever it may be. Of the indicators here, how are you doing to give him the glory? This is God's given strength. Are you enduring with joy day by day? Are you continuing to walk in joy? Are there seasons of doubt and discouragement during your trial when you doubt if the strength God's given you is enough? Yeah, but we can't let our mind go there. We got to understand what God is doing today. Let me give you an example. So as I was going through my first, before the eye came out, as I was going through the injury, the uh, and I still had an eye. Okay, uh, a, a really good friend in our church gave us uh, the biography of Jonathan Goforth. Missionary, you've heard of Jonathan Goforth? Well, she gave us the book to read for this reason. Jonathan Goforth also lost an eye on the mission field. Okay, his retina in those days became detached. He, he lost all vision in one eye. 
And so I'm saying, okay, I can identify with him, okay, right? This is an encouragement, right? Another man of God went through this, and he continued to minister. But then the book went on to say, then he lost his other eye. So what do I do? Oh, no, right? I can't go there, right? Because I don't know what that's going to happen. All right, so folks, I can't... I, I, God gives us the strength, and gives us the strength here. Notice, we're being strengthened to handle what I need today. I can't play the what-if game. And believe me, I have. What if I lose my other eye? How will I? Well, you know what? I think there was somebody called Fanny Crosby. I think lived a pretty good life for God. Right? Why? She was being strengthened in her inner man. Sometimes we feel helpless. Sometimes we feel empty. Sometimes we can't go on. So whatever trial you're going through in life pleasing to God, you're being strengthened. Not by what I do, but notice by God's glorious power. What's the greatest demonstration of that power? The resurrection. The resurrection. So let's start to look at our last indicator Bearing fruit, growing, being strengthened. Verses 12 through 14. Our next ING word, giving thanks. Wow. Okay, giving thanks. What? How? To the Father. What has the Father done who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light? What else has God the Father done? He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now, how in the world do we even start unpacking this? But what I'm trying to say is we need to give thanks. There's so much in these verses to give thanks for. So an indicator, an indicator, if my life is pleasing to God, I'm going to be a person giving thanks. It's very clear. How do I give thanks? What happens when I don't feel like giving thanks? Then go back and remember all these things listed. The Father's qualified you. Shared to be shared in the inheritance of the saints' lives. He has delivered you from the dominion of darkness and transferred you to the kingdom of light. We go back and look at all God has done for us, and then we can be thankful. But if we're not giving thanks, we're not living a life pleasing to Christ. And sometimes I think we need to start here. Okay? If you're not sure, okay, am I living a life, just living a life pleasing to Christ? Go back and start with this giving of thanks, remembering what He has done. He's qualified you. He's authorized you to share in the eternal life as a child of God. Qualified you. He's delivered us. Notice what it says. Qualified you. Then it says, delivered us, what? From the dominion of darkness. And this deliverance means really to, he has rescued us. That's what this word means. Literally, we could not do it. He rescued us. You know, as a, as a first grader, it, and it, I went to this elementary school in a neighborhood. I had this brilliant idea that uh, I wanted to go to school barefooted one day. Don't ask me why. I, I don't know. But, you know, as a first grader, and for some reason, my mother and her wisdom allowed me to go barefoot. Now, uh, you know, we had a local elementary school in those days. All our friends would walk home together. Then we got to our different houses. We would separate. So again, been all day barefooted, you know, and those days we didn't have asphalt. We had like tar and gravel. So that's kind of, you know, you, your feet get a little 
and, and, and it was barefooted, so it was a warm time of the year. But, but, you know, my friend, his house was right over here. His name was Greg. My house was down here. So we would walk to Greg's house, and then I would walk down to my house. Now, every other day we've had this, I've had on shoes. You're with me. You follow the story. But this day, I was what? Somebody tell me. I was barefooted. And so I was walking across this vacant lot. I'd walked across many, 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 many times. But I was never barefooted. Well, there was a briar patch in the middle of that lot. And I promise you to this day, I will never forget the feeling of getting in that middle of the briar patch. And I could not move. So Greg went over, got his mother. His mother came, Mrs. Pruitt. I preached her funeral. I gave this story. She literally picked me down, as a, picked me up as a first grader and just picked me up out of that briar patch. She rescued me. I couldn't do anything. Now, then she took me down. I think her fingernails must have been about this long. Then she picked every briar out of, my, of all my feet. But the point is this. This word delivered means rescued. This is what God the Father does the moment we're saved. The moment we place our faith in Christ and we go from death unto life, he rescues us. We cannot do that on our own. He rescued us. He transfers us. Notice what he goes on to there. He transfers us from what? Deliver us from dominion of darkness and the kingdom. We have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. So everything that's going on there, this is what God has done for us. Delivered, transferred us, redeemed us, and has forgiven this is what God the Father's done. Now again, go back to the first two words of verse 12. So looking at all what God has done for us, what should we be doing? Giving thanks. Again, the indicator. So right now, are you giving thanks for what God has done? Because, you know, a question when you look at this whole passage here, I must ask you, so what is the object of your faith? Because to be delivered by God the Father, the object of your faith must be the finished work of Jesus Christ. It has to be. What he has done for you. If the object of your faith is anything other than that, you've tried to deliver yourself. The Father has not delivered you and rescued you and given you forgiveness of sins because he does this as the object of our faith is the finished work of Jesus Christ. Here's what I mean by that. As a freshman at Clemson, when that guy knocked on my door, he asked me this. He said, hey, we're having a Bible study in the hall. Would you like to come? I said, I don't, I don't need to. I'll go home and teach Sunday school. He said, okay. He said, well, can I ask you another question? I said, sure. He said, if you were to die today, do you know for sure you go to heaven? I said, certainly do. He said, well, can you please tell me why you think you go to heaven? I said, sure. Because right, young people, this is wrong. Okay, I'm fixing to tell you something that's not biblical. I said this. I said, because God's a perfect judge, which he is. I said, and my good works that I do will certainly outweigh my sin. And because God's a perfect judge, what I'm doing will be greater than my sins I've committed. Therefore, I know I'm going to heaven. Okay? That's wrong. But God sent the perfect messenger with the perfect message into my life at that time. And he said, okay, I, I know why you may think that, but is that in the Bible? And of course, my answer was, absolutely. It's got to be. He said, okay, but you need to find out because you're talking about eternity. 
I don't know who this guy is. I've never, I, I have no idea. But God used that message with that messenger. And that night I put my head on the pillow and I realized if I died right now, I might go to hell. I knew of heaven, I knew of hell. But the object of my faith was in the wrong object. So that sent me on a spiritual search. I was too proud to ask for help. But finally, by God's grace, I did have a Bible in my room. And by God's grace, he took me to a verse as I was searching. I cried out, God, I've got to have answers. So I got on my knees in my dorm room and opened my Bible. And so what passage do you think I went to? John chapter 3. Because I need verse 16. But here's for the first time is what I saw. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes. And the Holy Spirit enlightened my heart. It's what I believe. It's not what I do. It's what Jesus has already done. And at that moment, I cried out, the object of my faith totally changed. In what? The object of my faith now is the finished work of Jesus Christ. Versus before I came to Christ, it was what I was doing. So if you go back and giving thanks, we're giving thanks because God the Father has qualified us to share with this. So we've got to understand, it's God the Father who qualifies you. It's the work of Jesus Christ that saves you. And we don't ever want to get over the fact of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Therefore, I want to be continually Giving thanks. So in closing, let's start there and work backwards. First indicator in reverse is giving thanks. So are we thankful people? I know we had five kids. Sometimes by the time I got to church, I was not a very thankful person. I was so mad, right? You're getting five kids dressed into church with a good attitude, right? Okay, so giving a thanks wasn't common for me. Okay, so again, let's just go in reverse. What about being strengthened? What trial are you in right now? What is before you? Are you being strengthened by God's glorious power? Or are you trying to do it on our own? Are you growing? Now, folks, we know there's a seasons of being stagnant in spiritual growth. We know that. But the norm is once we cross from death into life, once we are saved, we need to be progressively being sanctified or progressively being set apart for God. So are you growing? And the last one, which where we started is, are you bearing fruit? Fruit that lasts. So these are clear indicators that I can look and put my life over it and say, okay, where do I need to change? Because in order to love God, and therefore live a life pleasing to Him, which is my passion. That should be my mission statement, that above anything else in life, 2 Corinthians 5, 9, no matter where I am, no matter where you are, your passion for Christ has got to be to please Him. It's not to be a good husband. Yes, I want to do that. It's not simply a good church member. Yes, you should want to do that. My passion has got to be to please Christ. And if I am living a life pleasing to Him, these four things are going to be happening. Isn't God good to tell us how to do the spiritual checkup? Isn't He so good? 
So this, this, this morning as we close and Pastor Dan comes, I'm just going to ask you to meditate on these things. So what is that next step of faith? Which of these is that next step of faith? You need to say, wow, this is where I need to start working. Are you a believer? What's the object of your faith? That's the most important. And if God has delivered you and rescued you, then let's do something about it. Because the power of God's word, he will strengthen you. He will encourage you. The power of the Spirit is He will show us exactly where we need to change. Father, again, thank you.